Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Under Construction. Jesus' promise is that he will build his people, the church, and that nothing can stop it. That means the church is constantly under construction as new people are brought to Christ and our relationship with him grows. Our prayer is that you see how God continues to build his church and grows us up into a magnificent community of people. I prayed this prayer on April 17th of 2011. I wrote this out in my journal. Um, What's significant about this day is that it was the first day we had service at Statesboro High School. And uh, so it was a really big step for our church. We didn't know how we were going to set up and do one service, much less um, set up and do two services like we would later. But I want you to hear this prayer um, that I wrote for you and to God for us. It says, Lord, thank you for the work you've done in my life. I'm still so imperfect, but your love has been so perfect toward me. Thank you for all you've done through Connection. Today we make the big move, and I'm crazy nervous. Make our hearts strong by the power of your Spirit. Give us boldness to declare your word. Give us passion to glorify you only, that others would see your glory and come to the saving knowledge of who you are. God, they don't need more of Brandon. They need more of you. We don't know the outcome of this move, but I know it's in your hands and that is enough. Give us salvations, Lord, that your glory would shine from pole to pole and continent to continent. May we never lose focus on the one, that we would worship you only and reach the one that you put before us. Thank you for the journey. I love you, Brandon. It's so cool to look back and see the prayers. Um, that have been written in my journals and hear the prayers that have been written in other journals. Prayers for God's church, for you, that God would do something in us and through us um, that nobody else could do. And as I, I actually stumbled across this journal, I, I say stumbled across, God put it in my path. I was going through some drawers on Friday. I had some other journals I was going to read a prayer out of, and I came across this one. And I just think that at this moment and at this time, as we're getting ready to take some big steps, I just think it was God saying, I got you. I got this. I've got this church, and I'm going to take care of you. And my prayer is that we would hear that as a church. My prayer is that you would hear that as an individual. My prayer is that we would see, as we're going to talk about today, that we have a God who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. A God who loves us tremendously, immensely, more than we could ever possibly fathom. And the God who holds it all in His hands, who works all things for His good, or for our good and for His glory. And so today, I'm praying that He would continue to work in us. That He would be able to continue to work through us. So I want to pray. I want to pray for the service. I want to pray for us as a church. I pray that God would just continue to do incredible things in us and through us. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we can even pray, God. We can come to you, that our prayers don't just hit the ceiling, God, but that through Jesus they come before your throne. God, I thank you that, um, God, you, you, you're building your church that you're building your church, and God, that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. I thank you for the foundation of Christ upon which every believer's feet are planted, that even though the winds and the rains may come, God, we are not shaken, we are not moved, God. Even though we may we may um, fear, we may doubt, we may have moments where we wonder, God, that you are faithful, even when our faith begins to wane. God, I pray you'll speak 
through your word today. I pray you would speak into our hearts today. I pray we would hear your voice. I pray we would follow your voice, taking our next steps to follow you, God. Lord, do what only you can do here in this place today, God. We love you and we thank you for loving us and for your love that is so wide and so long and so deep and so high. Help us grasp that a little more today and let it change our lives forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, good morning. I hope everybody's good. Already been such a good day. Man, what an awesome God we serve. Amen. Are y'all ready? Y'all excited? I'm excited. I am fired up about what God has in store for us today. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn in those uh, to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be finishing up this chapter um, this week. And we're actually wrapping up this under construction uh, series out of Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, beginning in verse 14, we left off there last week. We're going to pick up back there again. I do want to say welcome. If this is your first time to Connection Church, you're a first time guest here, man. We're glad that you're here. Um, praying God will do incredible things in your heart and in your life. And he's already working, already stirring you um, and drawing him close to you. Um, also, would like to say again, red shirt, we love our connectors. Thank you guys who are, who are such a part, a vital part of this church that um, you're, you're doing things that God's using you. He's done a great work in you. Now he's doing a great work through you. Thank you so, so much for what you're doing. Um, and you saw the video of Jeff. What an awesome, yeah, we can clap for that. That's awesome. You saw the video of, of Jeff Leggett and, uh, um, man, Jeff looks good on camera. Is he in here? I wanted to try to embarrass him, but I don't see. Um, but, but anyway, um, you saw that video and one of the things we realized and one of the reasons that kids is so important to us is statistically 80% of the people who come to know Christ are between like the ages of around four, um, to about 18. And so most of it happens in those, those early ages. And so it's very important for us to us that we instill this into their lives at an early age, we begin to to let them hear the gospel about the love of Christ and the power of Jesus um, in our lives. And so um, it's very important to us. We'd love for you to be a part of helping us pour that into their lives. Such an important ministry. I've got three in there myself, so I have a vested interest in that, right? But, uh, but very, um, a very good group of folks who are working with that and so very thankful for them. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, I just want to read the first two verses. We're going to jump in here um, today and... and uh, I just believe God wants to do something awesome in this place today. So verse 14 of Ephesians 3, it says, for this reason, remember last week we looked at this reason being what God had already shown them, this this great church that he's building together, these people that he's building together. It's for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I was going to tell you. Yesterday was a really good day for me. Um, we, I was able to spend all day fishing uh, with my, my boys. I took the oldest two early that morning. We fished until probably four o'clock that afternoon. Um, came home. I got Reed, um, my three-year-old, because Reed, I think, was more excited about going fishing than the others. I thought three boys, um, 11 and under, would be a little much in a little boat. Um, so I went back and got him, and I took him fishing. And it was so funny because he kept saying over and over for the, the, the couple of days leading up to that time that he was going to catch a shark. Right. 
And, and we're, he knew we were going to like granddaddy's pond, but he was going to catch a shark. And so he kept asking me, daddy, if we catch a shark, can we keep it? I said, you better believe it, son. If we keep, catch a shark, we're going to keep it. And we're calling every newspaper, every TV station in the area because that would be a miracle. And so I took him fishing. And uh, we had a great time and a great day. Um, but, but when you're in a boat with an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, um, it really can be a test of patience. Anybody ever experienced that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Such an awesome time. And yet, um, it, it, we call it fishing, but it's really like untangling is, is basically what it is. Uh, and so, so I would just sit there and I would, I would marvel at this, that it was like there was no thinking before action. You know what I mean? And it was just this constant um, getting hung. One time we were sitting there, we were literally um, maybe from here to the front row off the bank and Jackson just throws it as hard as he could. It went like 30 yards into the woods on the other side of the bank. And I'm like, son, what, what were you thinking about, right? What were you thinking? What was going through your head when you just decided to throw it as hard as you could? And he's like, I don't know. Exactly, right? And I don't know how many times I say this to David. I'm like, son, you just got to think, right? You just got to think. And so um, there was a lot of frustration. It was a great day, but it was really frustrating. But it's so worth it to be able to spend the time with my kids because I love them so much. And here's the thing I want for my kids. I want them to get it. I tell them all the time how like, I tell, tell them so much, like you're so much better at this than I was at your age. I want them to be better than me. I want them to, to go further than me. I want them to, to be um, able to fulfill all the potential of their lives. But sometimes it's frustrating, but that love overcomes the frustration, right? And I want them to get it so badly. Um, I was thinking about that. And this is the thing I realized. And I think that Paul felt so much is sometimes you feel that very same way as a pastor that you would as a parent, wanting your kids to get it so badly. And so many times I stand up here and I believe Paul is praying this and it's so badly want people to get it. I want them to see it. I want them to know this God who changes lives and changes hearts. And yet so many times it feels as though it's just words that just go. And the Bible is true that the word doesn't, doesn't, does not return void, right? But so many times it's like, I just want us to get it. I want to get it. I want you to get it. I want us to get it. I want it. And when I say get it, I mean this relationship with Jesus, right? This relationship with God that so changes our hearts and changes our lives. I want us to get it. And today, this is what I want you to understand. I'm going to tell you four things that Paul prays for the Ephesians. He prays for those churches of that day. He has prayed for us and that we as a church pray for you, right? And I'm going to give you one very practical, anybody can do it, takeaway. That this is what I will tell you, and, and I would stake everything I have on this. That if you do this, it will change your life. It will change your life. How many of you would like that, right? We all need life change in some way, right? And, and it will change your life. But here's what I know, and I'm going to be very honest with you. Most of you won't do it. And I know this because like, go back to last fall. When we went through a better, the better story series, I gave you six messages of things that I said, if you do this, it'll change your life. Very few people did it. And we give opportunities all the time for people to listen, grab hold of this. It'll change your life. And I tell you that not to just get on to you. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to step on your toe. I'm not trying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's don't let today be that way. Let's walk out of here today and let's actually apply the word of God to our lives. 
And when we get to the end of this, I guarantee you, if you do this, you would come back and say, you were right. This changed my life. And it's not because I came up with it. It's because God came up with it. It's not because of what you do. It's because of the one it connects you to, right? The one who changes us. And so I want us to look at this. Out of Ephesians 3, verse 14, and then in 15, Paul says he's praying. He's on his knees. He's literally on his knees pleading with God. And he says, this is the God. He's known his knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I think this is so important that we see Paul's desire, this earnest prayer, this, this prayer I told you last week, that most of the time when we see in Scripture, Jewish men would pray, standing up. They would pray many times with their hands lifted in a, in a standing position. But Paul is so earnestly praying as if he was like Jesus when Jesus fell on his face in the Garden of Gethsemane right before his arrest and crucifixion. Paul is praying earnestly that these people would get this, that they would begin to wrap their minds around it. They would understand, and he's praying to this father. And see, it's so important that when we pray, we understand who we're praying to. And he says, this is the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Let me put that in the the BIV, the Brandon International Version. It's my paraphrase, right? Basically, he's saying he's the father of fathers. He's the father of fatherdom, Right? And so we need to know that this is a father that we're praying to. And here's where some of us have trouble with that. Many of us think about our earthly father and maybe there wasn't such a great relationship there. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they told us we wouldn't amount to anything. Maybe that relationship is not a good relationship to compare it to because we begin to have thoughts that aren't so good about God simply because of our experience with our earthly fathers. Maybe he abandoned you. So you expect God to just abandon you like everybody else in your life. But what Paul wants us to see is this, that we don't um, derive our picture of God from our earthly fathers. The perfect father in heaven should be the picture of our fatherdom. But so many times we take what we experience in life and we experience from earthly fathers. He may not have been perfect. No father is perfect, right? We all make mistakes. I made so many mistakes yesterday, right? In that boat, nearly throwing them out a couple of times. But so many times we take that and we put it up on God and God's saying, no, listen, I'm a perfect father. And I want you to take this image of being a father and you apply it to your life. And Paul wants us to understand, God wants us to understand that this is the father we pray to. See, Paul knew this. He knew that God was listening. He knew that through Jesus, he had access to the father. He already told us that in Ephesians chapter two, he said, this is where we all come to God, the father. We all have access through one spirit to God through Jesus, right? And so he knows that God is listening. He knows that God is willing. He knows that God wants to work and move in his life. He knows that God wants to work and move in every believer's life. He knows he wants to bring people to himself and connect them in a relationship with each other. And Paul knows that he's praying to a God who is able, right? He's able to do it. So he's listening, he's willing, and he's able. Paul's seen his whole life transformed. It's one of the greatest testimonies to the reality of the resurrection. This life of Paul changed from murderer, killer, persecutor of the church to the greatest missionary he's ever lived. And we see this in Paul's life. He knew the power of God. I stand before you today, not as someone with a lot of head knowledge, but as someone whose life has been turned upside down by the power of Jesus. It is upon those those grounds that I plead with you that you would come into a relationship with God. Not upon knowledge and training, but upon a life experience 
and the reality of God working and the reality that this word is true. And so he goes on and he prays. He says, listen, this is the father that I'm praying to. This is the father that I want you to come into this relationship with. And he tells us um, that he's begging God, let this become real. Basically what Paul is doing, this is so cool. Paul is saying, God, let this church, let these people who are following faithfully, following your son, let them become what they already are in Christ. Isn't that cool? That Paul say, let them become what they already are. God's already given us everything in Christ, right? He's given us righteousness. He's justified us. He's taken away our sin. He's given us life, taken us from death to life that we can experience him. And Paul now says, Lord, let them simply become what they already are. He's already told us, remember this? This was so cool. He's already told us in that but God sermon that we listened to a while back, it, that, that we're the poema, right? That, that, that work of art, that trophy of grace. He's already told us that we're this holy temple of the Lord that's being built together. He's already told us that we're under construction as God continually adds people to his church. He's already told us that we're people who were created to reveal the mystery of God's truth in Christ to the world and even to the heavenly realms, the angels. And he says, this is what they are, God. Let them grow into this. And Paul begins to pray in this way. I'm going to give you four things he prayed. I'm going to give you one practical way to experience these four things. And my prayer, my plea is that you would experience these things in your life. And that we as a church would be drawn closer and tighter together to give people this understanding of who God is. The first one is this. It's out of verses 16 and 17a. Paul is praying that we would experience spiritual strength. Verse 16, he says that according to the riches of his glory, he, remember this father that he's praying to, may grant to you, grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying that we would be strengthened with power in our inner beings. That we would be strengthened in our faith at the core of our beings, our heart, not just this physical thing that that beats, right? But at the core of our being, the center of our being, the thing that controls everything within our lives, our actions, the things that we desire. He said, let them be strengthened in faith through Christ. Let them be strengthened. It made me think about this. And he's going to use some language that that hints back to this in a little bit. But it made me think about my first job after college. Any of you went through college or high school, you graduated, you remember your first job, right? I went through four years of, well, let let me be honest, five years, maybe five and a half years of college, got out with a construction management degree. Once I went into ministry, I was like, why did God have me get a construction management degree? A buddy of mine said, I guess you were going to be building churches. I was like, hey, that works, right? And so we we got this degree. Um, I went to work. My first job, the first job site I worked on was out here at the PAC, at the Performing Arts Center and the, the Continuing Ed Building out there. And so I was out there working. I was just, I graduated with honors. I studied my rear end off. I finally got my first job. I show up on the job site wanting to show everybody how much I knew, which I knew absolutely nothing. And so I get on the job site and the first thing they do is they walk me to the back side of the job site on the existing part of the building that they were adding on to. And they said, we need you to take this jackhammer, get up on the top of that scaffolding and jackhammer that concrete beam out. Like you don't understand. I got a college degree. And this guy, he'd been in construction about 35 years. 
Somewhere in there, between all of the cuss words, I heard, get up on the scaffolding and jackhammer the beam out, right? He's like, bleep, 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 get, bleep, 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 up, bleep, 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 on, bleep, bleep, bleep. It was just constant, right? And so finally I get up there. I literally, I was on this scaffolding. It looked like it had been built by four-year-olds. Every time it would hit, the whole scaffold was shaking. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm off. I ended up being up there for like three weeks. And this guy, the superintendent, goes on vacation and he leaves his son. Well, I start chipping away at this thing. His son's in charge and there's rebar all throughout this beam. And so I would chip and literally when I would get a little piece of concrete to come off of the rebar, I'd be like, yes. And it was like August. And so every now and then I would have so much sweat in my little um, dust mask, breathing apparatus thingy. I would have to pull it out and dump the sweat out of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> I'll study for this, right? And so I'm chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it would have been so much easier if the rebar hadn't been in there. It would have just broken away. It would have just chipped away. It just would have, would have fell apart so much easier. I was like, hey, why don't we just pull this thing out? And the assistant superintendent, the guy's son, he was like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You just chip it away. And I was like, all right. And so when his dad gets back like two weeks later from a two week vacation, he's like, what are y'all doing? Hook the back hoe to that and pull it out. I was like, I told you. I was chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it would be so much easier if the rebar Hadn't been in there, but that rebar was worked through the concrete. The concrete was poured around the rebar. And I thought about this. I thought about so much of what Paul is praying is that the Holy Spirit would do a work in us. Such a continuous, listen, a continuous experience of the Holy Spirit that it is though our spirit has this rebar that is run through it, that strengthens it, that's constantly being strengthened, that's constantly being put together in such a way that when the pressures come, it does not fall apart. And even when a chip might get knocked off, the beam remains intact. You see, God wants us to be strengthened at the core of our being. And it only happens through the riches of God, the gift of his Holy Spirit that we inherit through the gospel. God wants us to be strengthened through the spirit of God and his power. He wants us to be whole, held together by something greater than ourselves. The second one that he prays is for spiritual growth. Listen to this. The second part there of verse 17, he says that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you would be rooted and grounded in love. He's desiring that we would grow. He wants us to grow as believers. He wants us to grow as Christians. He wants us to grow as his church in numbers. Yes, but also in depth. All of this talks about an emphasis of, of, of depth over superficiality and strength over succumbing to pressures. He doesn't want us just to be tossed to and fro, right? Like we're being tossed by the wind or the waves. He wants us to grow deeply into the gospel. One of the things that hurts us so much today is our roots just aren't growing deeply into the love of God. It's not growing deeply into the gospel. He mentions two different things. One has to do with plants, right? One of them has to do again with building. And he says, I pray that you would be rooted. He's meaning, I pray that your roots would grow deeply into the gospel, into the love of Christ, that you would be able to grow, that you'd be deeply rooted and that you'd be able to be nourished, right? By this love of God, by the gospel, by this continual experience of God. And he also says, I pray that you would be grounded, I pray you would be built on the foundation of Christ. 
That's what he's referring to. It's a building. One is, one is basically botanical. The other has to do with architecture, right? He's saying, I pray you be grounded on this foundation, that you'd be able to be built up. And he's saying, I pray that you would have a firm foundation. If you've ever raised children, you know that there are two things that happen. One is that they always outgrow their shoes. And two is that you're constantly buying food. Right? Especially as my boys get older, all we do is buy shoes and food, right? We have so much more money, but you gotta feed them. We found that out, you gotta feed them, right? And so you're always buying shoes and you're buying food. And how many times when you were growing up did somebody tell you, usually an older person, they would say, You grow into them feet, you're gonna be a big boy, right? Because they have to have a foundation. How weird would it be if our feet never grew? And so we were like big, but our feet were the same size as when we were born. How hard would that be to walk? We'd all be like on stilts. It'd be terrible. There's two things we've got to have. We've got to have food. We've got to have a foundation even to grow physically. And this is what Paul's saying is you need to be feeding off of this gospel. You need to be feeding off of my word. You need to be feeding off of my love. And you need to allow me to strengthen you at the core of who you are and ground you on this foundation of Christ so that you can grow up into what you already are. See, God is so clear in this. He's telling us. He wants us to be grounded. And he wants us. He wants us to be grounded and he wants to, us to be rooted. I was thinking about when we had the ice storm a few weeks ago. It's so funny that that's an ice storm to us. But anyway, it, it was bad, right? And the biggest thing for us was not like the whole tree falling over. It was the branches. And I thought about it. I wonder why that is. But I realized our trees around here, they have to endure wind constantly. We, we have a lot of wind. But you know what we don't have a lot of? Ice. And so that ice got on the limbs. The limbs couldn't take it. But you know what? The trees, they stand because they are rooted. Some of them fell. The ground saturated. I know, but... Understand what I'm saying. For the most part, in our yard, we got these huge pine trees. It was the limbs. Why? Because they're rooted deeply in the ground. They're able to be held. Look at these big oak trees, right? They're held because they're rooted deeply. God desires us to be rooted deeply. He desires us to be grounded and unmovable in Christ. The third thing that he desires for us is spiritual insight. He desires for our eyes to be open, that we can understand the love of God more. Listen to verses 18 and 19. He says that you grounded, rooted and grounded in love. Love is the key. Love is the key. It's the, that, that uh, unseeable aspect of God that's bringing this stability to them, the love of God through the power of the spirit. He says that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What's he praying? He's saying, I want you to have greater spiritual insight. I want you to grow more and more into the knowledge of this love of God for you. Because here's the thing. There are times in your life that fear can drive you to God. And fear can make you turn to God. September 11th, when, 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 when crazy people started flying airplanes into buildings, that made a lot of people turn to God out of fear and out of, of the unknown. But here's the reality. Fear will never keep you there. But the love of God will keep you there. I know this from my own life. There were things that happen in my life when I would turn to God out of fear, but it never kept me there. That would always get over it. I'd always move on. But this is the reality. When I found the love of God and the grace of God that had forgiven me for all of the junk that I did, I never wanted to leave that place. It's such a reality. And he's praying that we would come greater into this knowledge of God. He, listen, this is a key word today. He wants us to continually experience the love 
of God, that our roots grow deep, that our foundation is deepened and broadened, that we're strengthened as if rebar runs through our spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and he's desiring that we would be able to understand in a greater way the dimensions of God's love for us. And he's also saying that there's this aspect of God's love. There's dimensions of God's love. You can't understand or grasp alone. He he prays that we would comprehend it with all the saints, right? That we would grow into this love. We can't comprehend certain dimensions of God's love alone. We can experience it. We can know it. We can have it. We can walk in it. But we can't experience the fullness of it apart from others. And he wants them to see these great dimensions. He even says in here, he says, I pray, I pray that you with the other saints, all the saints would be able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth, the width, the length, the depth, the height. And I was thinking about what is he telling us? He's wanting us to see this great love of Jesus. He's wanting us to understand this a little bit more, that God's love is so great that it was wide enough to cover our sins. He wants us to understand that his love is long enough that it lasts for eternity. It means that your sins were forgiven. They are forgiven and will be forgiven forever. He wants us to understand that his love is deep enough to cover the depravity of humankind that our sin could not be so great that his deep amazing love could not cover it he wants us to understand that the height of his love is so high that it reaches to the throne of God and it seats us in heavenly places not because of our righteousness but because of the righteousness of Christ that is applied to our life through faith it's huge it's fast it's long And of this great love and this gospel, we will spend all of eternity trying to exhaust them and it will not happen. It is that big. So spiritual insight, spiritual strength, spiritual growth, spiritual insight. And then he prays a fourth thing, spiritual maturity. He wants us to come to this place where he calls it this in verse 19. He says, and to know the love of Christ as a passage. And then he says that you may be filled With all the fullness of God. In other words, that you would become what you already are. The fullness of God. What a high and lofty prayer, right? (laughs) That we would look like God to other people. Anybody ever been confused for Jesus? No, right? If you stood next to Jesus, nobody would be like, I have no idea which one's which. They would know. And not because he's wearing like a toga, but because your life does not look like his life, right? And so he's saying though, he desires that we would grow into this. And he's praying to a loving heavenly father who desires this too. And it will work in us and is working in us if we're in Christ to bring us to this place of maturity. The fullness of God equals becoming like him. And it seems almost impossible But it's a step-by-step process that we begin at salvation and continues until that day that we stand before him and we are perfectly remade in his image. See, we've already been given righteousness. There will be a day when it's ours, where it literally becomes who we are. But until that day, God is shaping and molding and creating and building us up into the fullness of who he is. But how do we do this? Like, how does that practically happen in our lives? And I'm going to tell you one thing that if you do this, this will happen in your life. 
And I don't want you to be confused by this. What I'm going to tell you is not going to be the thing that does it. What does it is that it will connect us to the living God through the power of the Spirit that will begin to grasp even more the love and, and, and the, the dimensions of this love that is so life-changing. And I want you to see this. I want you to understand it because, listen, listen, this is it. The Bible. Read it. Right? It will change your life. In fact, I would dare you, (laughs) I would dare you, I'm laughing like a crazy person this morning. I don't even know what is up with that. I would dare you to read it for 30 days, asking God sincerely to speak to your heart every day, because this is what I know. The word is true, that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. You cannot read this sincerely seeking the Lord for 30 days and not be changed. And I'm going to give you even a more practical way to do this other than just saying, read your Bible, <laughs> right? That's kind of like, read your Bible. I don't even know where to read. Listen, listen, go, go to Genesis or go to Matthew. Start reading. Listen, my 11 year old, and my seven year old understand it when they read it. It's not because they are super high IQ, although I'm a little biased towards that. It's because God will give us understanding when we seek understanding. God will reveal his truth when we seek the truth. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. When you go to your Bible and you read your Bible, it will change your life. And I'm going to encourage you to start doing something. I'm going to encourage you to start writing in a journal. In fact, I believe in this so much that we had ship express, get them here like next day because God put this on my heart. We're going to give everybody that wants a journal, a journal today. Because I believe this so much that if you will take time to read his word, write it in a journal, spend time with God, express it on paper, you will be amazed at how God begins to work in your heart. I do this myself. I do this pretty much every day of my life that I write something out that God is showing me through his word. And it's not because I was a preacher. Listen, I've got journals that are full before I ever went into ministry. So don't be like, well, you're the preacher. You're supposed to do that. No, I do it because I love God and because I want to know him more. And I don't do it so he will love me. I do it because he loves me. Because I want to spend time with him. I want to understand a greater dimension of his love. And I'm going to give you something, especially for the guys, this is going to seem so cheesy. It's going to seem so fluffy. But if you'll do it, it'll change your life. And I know because it's changed mine. I've done this and it changes my life. I'm going to give you an acronym. I'm not a big acronym guy, right? But I'm going to give you one that you can remember and that if you will do it, it will change your life. And you can write this down, write it on your, if you don't have something, write it on your wife's forehead, write it on the person that, whatever, just write it somewhere that you can have it. And, and the acronym is this, it's SOAPY, SOAPY, because we want to be clean in Jesus, amen, right? I told you it's cheesy, but it'll work. The S stands for scripture. Go read your Bible. And this is actually in the journals. You can take it with you. Go to the word. Start a daily reading plan. You can go online and find so many different reading plans. We've got reading plans online at our website, www.connection-church.com, right? You can go in there and find a reading plan. Start with scripture, read the scripture and ask God to speak to your heart through it. You're not coming to just read the book. You're coming to experience God. Remember this word is living. It's active. It changes our hearts. It changes our lives. Go to the scripture. Write that scripture down. You can write a little S with a little colon or a dash, whichever you prefer. And then you can write down that scripture. And then the O, observance. 
What's God showing me through this scripture? You'll be amazed at how much God's showing you. You'll be like, I don't want to write much today. And then you start writing and you write a whole page on just what God's showing you. And you didn't think he was showing you anything. Observance, what's he showing me? The A, application. This is a tough part, right? S and O are fun. But a lot of times, A is where we sort of like, stop. So for the application, write it out. What's God challenging me to do through this? What's he asking me to do? What is my next step, right? You can call it Sanpi if it helps you, right? What's my next step? Okay. P, prayer, write a prayer. God, help me. (laughs) That's usually my prayer. Help. (laughs) Write out a prayer to God. What is it that he's called you to do? What do you need to pray to him about today? What is it that you want to pray? You don't have to pray just when you write. Pray when, listen, don't let amen at the end of this be where you stop praying. Pray throughout your day, but write this specific prayer for God's help for him to work in you. That this insight he's revealed to you will become real in your life and be applied. And then the why is yield. Yield to it. You can write something there. Lord, I yield to this. I'm going to do this. I I promise, Lord, I want to follow you. I want more of you. I want to know the dimensions of your love in a greater way. And and here's the thing. Yield to it. Say, yes, I surrender, Lord. Today, what did Jesus say? He said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me daily. It is a daily dying to ourselves. It's a daily going after God. I'm asking you, would you do that? I'm telling you, it would change your life. You can go get one. I like that. I'm keeping this one. Like, I like this one. It's just, it reminds me of the leather jacket I had back in the early 90s, and I'm going to keep it. So it's good. It's good. Get in the Word, man. Let God speak to you. And, and listen, this may see, seem simple to some of you. Like, I've been reading my Bible for 40 years. Well, keep reading it. That's awesome. But I'm telling you, this will help you. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll do great things in you. And I want you to understand that this is the foundation. Remember in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus said, if you do these things, it'll be like a man who dug deep and planted his house on a foundation, right? Of rock. And the winds and the waves came. It did not blow them down, but they stood. He tells us in Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1. I got those pages paper clipped together again. I do that all the time. That blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Listen to what the one who meditates on the law, and his delight is in the law. The law meaning his instruction, which is what? The word of God. He says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. It means, listen, he always yields its fruit. But why? Because he's being nourished near the stream. The water never runs out. He says that it's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. And so he's telling us what? That we can be rooted. We can be grounded in Matthew 7 on a foundation that is immovable, that God establishes, that the winds do not blow away. We can be like a tree planted by streams of water but it happens through his word not just because we read the word this is where we've gotten it wrong for so many years we think that this is the end this is not the end this is a means to the end of experiencing the living god 
If this is the end, it's going to get boring quick. But I can tell you last night at about 9.30, I was reading Romans chapter 4 and 5, and I again saw a perfect picture of the gospel that God has given to us, and I was so excited I couldn't hardly go to sleep. Because it's living and active. Sharpening the double-edged sword, it pierces our hearts. And it changes us. I want to finish with this. So you want a journal? Go get one. We bought a bunch Go get one and let's do this. Let's grow in these four things. Those four things will be awesome to have in our life. But God says in his word in James, that blesses he who does it, not just the one who hears it, but blesses he who does what the word says. Let's get into it. I want to finish this. Paul finishes the same way he started. Remember, he started by praying to this father in heaven. And, and he's going to finish it by reminding them. He just gave this lofty claim saying, listen, guys, here's the reality. God's will, God's purpose in your life is that you grow into the fullness of God. In other words, you grow into spiritual maturity. And he's like, I know that seems impossible. But listen to what he says in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, as he finishes a prayer, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, if this seems impossible, if it seems impossible for God to grow his church and continue to build his church, remember the one we're praying to. If it seems impossible that God could change your life, that he could work in you, not necessarily changing your circumstances, but changing you in your circumstances. If it seems impossible that you could ever overcome this addiction, that you could ever overcome this doubt, that you could ever overcome whatever it is you're facing in your marriage with your children. If it seems impossible to you that you couldn't get beyond these things, that God couldn't do these things, then remember the one that you're praying to. It is the one who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. I've got a big imagination, but I've seen God do more. Do you think when I prayed that prayer on April 17th of 2011, that I really in my heart had just known like, we're going to fill this place up. No, I knew it, but I wasn't sure of it. But you know what kept me going is I knew that the God that I serve and that has called us to do this does exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever think or imagine. He will do it in your life. If you will, if you will grab hold of him, if you will abide in him, if you will hold to him as he holds to you, it doesn't mean he will keep you from the fire, but it means that he will take you through the fire. This is our God. Exceedingly abundantly more than I could think or imagine greater strength, right? Greater growth, greater maturity, greater insight into his great love. This is the God who calls us. This is the God who is calling some of us right now. In fact, I want to pray. And this is, this is, I'm going to give two opportunities here. One, you don't know the Lord. You do not know the Lord. But today you would say, I need a relationship with God. And he's knocking on the door of your heart and you may not even be 100% sure what that is. Let me tell you what that is. That feeling inside of you is the Holy Spirit drawing you. Listen, no one comes to the Lord except by the Spirit. And for some of you, the Spirit is drawing you today. For some, listen, you're in a place where you just need prayer. You need not a prayer that was written for you. You need a prayer prayed over you today. And so this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask that when I pray, you move. And we're going to have our prayer team. They're going to be over here at these doors. 
they're going to be there to receive you and pray. So today, if today is the day of salvation for you, that you come to a place where you say, yes, I need a relationship with Jesus. When I pray, listen, every eye's closed, every head's bowed. We just want to pray with you. you. Today is the day of salvation. You get up and move. If you don't want to go by yourself, grab somebody next to you. They'll walk with you. Go out there. Let us pray with you and welcome you into the family of God. Listen, today you just need prayer for something. I don't know if it's in your marriage with your kids. I don't know if it's your job. I don't know if it's you lost a job. I don't know if it's an addiction. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if it's school. I don't know if there's just pressure. I don't know what it might be. I don't know if you have a hard time relating to God the Father because of your parents. I don't know what it might be. But today I know this. God will do exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or imagine if we'll call upon his name. And we want to do that with you. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to come or or to go and, and let them pray with you. Lord, we thank you for today and your life in us. We thank you for the gospel of grace. We thank you for power. God, I pray for the person right now, um, God, who knows that they need to be moving, who knows, Lord, that, that, that you've worked in their heart today, that you're drawing them. And, and that, God, they just know it. I pray that they would be moving right now just to go, just to go. I pray for those, God, who just need prayer in their life right now, who just need someone to pray with them. I pray that, that God, you would move them. And that they would move. That their first step today would be going and being prayed for. Going and allowing someone to walk through this with them. And us to shower your love on them. God, just move them by the power of your spirit. People, Lord, who are hurting from so many different things. We live in a broken world, Lord. So many things in our lives can be broken. And yet we can trust that you hold it all together. And I pray, God, that people would just take their steps, their next steps. I pray we'd get in your word and we'd come grounded and solid in your word and in all that you've created us to be and to do that we would grow into the fullness of you, Lord. Thank you that you are a God who does it seemingly abundantly more than we could think or imagine, bringing us to the fullness and doing it all for your glory, for our good and your glory, Jesus. We love you, God, and we thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.